podcast ain't played nobody. Uh, Monday hurry up edition. Sorry about it. Wasn't Sunday. Both Bill and I were traveling, and if you want a podcast from esteemed, traveling, important sports journalists, sometimes you're just going to have to wait a little bit. All right? Yeah, and that's, what, that's the impressive part the impressive part here is we were traveling at completely different times. When I got home, you left. So yes. I think we would yes. have had to do it at like, I, I would have been at O'Hare and you would have been at wherever the hell you were. It would have been a, it would have been a great time. I actually could have uh, gotten Dennis Rodman in the background if had we done it in the morning because, as I tweeted, he was holding court uh, with like five other people in like the food court uh, of Terminal H uh, next to the Dunkin' Donuts. That, that made me very happy. Uh, please forgive my, uh, the smoky dulcet tones of my voice as I am, uh, I have road death again. So let's do this, Bill. I'm setting it for 27 minutes. We've blown past 25. I'm going to try to do 27 and I am starting. Okay. Um, Hey, we're going to start at number 25 and Oklahoma state's here. TCU is not in the top 25. Oklahoma state blew out TCU. Uh, we are now set up and I'll say this, uh, have doubted Oklahoma state, for the past month and a half or so, uh, that was my mistake. They're they're way better than I thought they were. Well, they have to do this again now. Um, you know, this was they have been a relatively unimpressive team at times, um, but they looked fantastic. I mean, they went to Fort Worth and completely dominated. Uh, you know, almost seven yards per play. Um, even with you know no sort of field position advantage, they still um, you know they created a ton more opportunities and they completely shut down the opportunities TCU got. Uh, you know, and, and I think maybe if you're Oklahoma, what is most encouraging about this Oklahoma State, excuse me, uh, they haven't been able to run the ball in a couple of years, but they ran all over TCU. And I understand this isn't TCU's uh, most amazing run defense, but you get uh, Chris Carson and Justice Hill going 33 carries for 300 yards. That's 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 new. That's not what we expect from Oklahoma State, and that's a very good sign uh, because you can run that you can run like crazy on Oklahoma. I know that. Um, so number 24 is Western Michigan uh, in the, in the, in the spirit of time, here's what we're going to bundle Western Michigan because they had game day. It was awesome. Uh, I thought I don't really watch game day, but from everyone that I talked to who did, they said it was one of the better game days in a while because it was a little off kilter, which is always, and it was snowy. Yeah, and snow is awesome. So that's always been gay days at its best. Um, let's let's pair Western Michigan with a couple other mid-majors as we sort of talk about them um, together because there's not much to say about routing Buffalo. Um, but there's one mid-major I want to talk about by itself. That's number 23, San Diego State. You better watch out for them Wyoming Cowboys. All right? All right? Yeah, I'm and, not even, and Wyoming. Profanity warning. I'm just going to say powder. Insert celebratory profanity here. River, my man. Dang, uh, powder dang river. Um, it makes it interesting in the Mountain West Mountain because uh, Wyoming may have done uh, Western Michigan a gigantic favor because you can't win, you can't get that G5, that group of five uh, power bowl spot unless you win your conference, right? Uh, well, right now, Wyoming uh, wins the Mountain West Mountain and Boise State doesn't even go to the Mountain West title game because they are both at six and one. So now Boise State needs Wyoming to lose to, I believe, New Mexico um, if if they even want a chance at that bit. So that, that might have um, in, in the same way that uh, what, what was it? Um, Iowa beating Michigan screwed Ohio State because now Penn State gets the tiebreaker. Right. Uh, Wyoming beating San Diego State suddenly makes uh, Western Michigan's shot at getting that big bowl even easier. But they got to get by Toledo now, and um, that's Toledo's. Toledo's real damn good. Whoever wins that should win the the MAC title game pretty easily, except for the whole MAC title game unpredictability thing. But Western Michigan, um, 
is is in much better shape now. I don't have anything to say about North Carolina 22. They beat the crap out of Citadel. Um, they're poised to have a really, really good season under Larry Fedora. And uh, Larry Fedora's, I think, journey at North Carolina may be coming to a close soon. But he has done with this program kind of uh, – Southern Miss didn't have sanctions. But the, 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 would you start looking at his tenure as a whole here? I know we're just supposed to focus on the game, but they beat Citadel. He's done a really nice job. Um, he may be moving on. Yeah, um, and I mean, they from a from a rating standpoint, they you know they might be a little bit overrated more last year than this year, but um, that's still they they've been eight, nine, ten wins a couple straight years uh, for a program that always seems to underachieve. They, he's he's gotten them to not uh, underachieve. Uh, they are achieving now, uh, and, and it's kind of looking like they would for the rest of his tenure, however long that may be. Uh, it might be a couple weeks, so uh, good for them. That was that was kind of a rambly answer, but I, I'm I'm dialing in now. I'll, I'll get back on track. We'll skip Houston. Uh, talk about them a little higher up. Uh, they come in at number 21. Uh, Temple comes in at 20. Um, as we continue to slog through these mid majors, not slog. It's a labor of love. They beat Tulane 31 to nothing. Um, as a quick aside, early in the season, it looked like Tulane may do a li- may look like they they could have done a little bit more, or they were going to do a little bit more. Um, but I think the inevitability of a first-year system, you know, wholesale system change just kind of took them over. And just lack of uh, that. But I mean, you wear yeah, down. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's what happened was kind of what was supposed to happen. But anyways, 8-3 uh, and three Temple, 31-0. Yeah. Another fantastic season for Matt Rule. Obviously, the Penn State dynamic has changed dramatically, but that doesn't take away from what Rule's done. Um, they, they may hang on to him for a minute. Which is yeah, awesome. and they Temple. and they. I mean, we completely forgot about Temple. They they got whooped by Army in the season opener. They lost to Penn State, um, and then a couple weeks later, after that, they lost at Memphis. It was a game that they should have won, and you know, my win expectancy stuff says they absolutely should have won. But uh, regardless, they were three and three, and uh, this appeared to be an off year. Rule went off of all the coaching lists and all that. Um, but they've been awesome since then. They beat, they won at UCF, which is not a, a guarantee. They whooped South Florida. They just pulled away from them in the fourth quarter. Uh, and then in the last three weeks, they've won by 21, 21, and 31. And that's playing with low tempo. Um, they're, they're off, their defense is good again. Um, they're a really good team. And now, I mean, if we're trying to figure out who the hell gets the bid, if, if, um, if Western Michigan loses and if Boise State isn't eligible, um, you know, then maybe that's the answer. Maybe it's it's the winner of Navy Temple goes to the 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 G five uh, G five Bowl. Uh, number nineteen, Miami. We said uh, basically their season would come down to uh, you either go quietly eight and four and and you know ultimately disappoint people, or you lose one more game and people really start saying kind of stupid things about Mark Rick. They did what they were supposed to. They beat NC State. Um, they're probably going to finish eight and four. Yeah, so they, they're going to have the kind of season that they probably should have, and uh, it's a team that I want to look more at in the off season. But as for yeah. right now, because they're not really narrative driven in terms of a larger picture, uh, it's fine. Defense in the top twenty, and that that twenty three point win over Pitt a couple weeks ago now looks better and better because Pitt's in the top thirty now. Pitt's looked awesome lately, and they throttled Pitt, so that was a nice turnaround after those four losses. ACC getting kind of a lot of transitive, punchy kind of uh, depth of depth of conference type comments being made it's a little strange a little different <laughs> a lot of them coming from us yeah uh yeah that's true to texas a&m beat utsa 23 to 10 um entirely unremarkable uh a win's a win all that business but yeah there is um some frustration down the stretch with how the offense is played um it's unfounded someone probably shouldn't be fired actually there's no shouldn't about it it's just um 
you know, you, you can always count on one major Power 5 program to, to go into hysterics, and it looks like A&M might be it if they lose to LSU on Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of a, a big game for any number of reasons. We'll see what kind of LSU team shows up. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, um, no, yeah, they're 8-3 they're and three against a really tough schedule. Um, you know, the win at Auburn still looks really good. They, uh, you know, obviously the Mississippi games are kind of kind of define the season a little bit because they are clearly a good team. And even with their backup quarterback, they handle that what is honestly a, a probably an improving UTSA team. Um, but, and, they, they're, you know, offense and defense in the top 30 right now. But yeah, no, they um, those two losses to the Mississippi schools kind of uh, hurt the outlook, hurt the, uh, the what, what they, however they'll look back on the season. It hurts that. Okay, uh, let's jump ahead. Um, Florida, we'll talk about when we get to LSU. Uh, so we have Boise State at sixteen, Western Kentucky at fifteen. Um, so we're not going to pause. We're on the clock, but let's. So let's look at Western Kentucky, Boise, uh, San Diego State. It's going to be out of contention now. And then Western Michigan was down at 24. Um, right now, who's your pick? I still say, I mean, because they are in the driver's seat currently, they still have the best odds. San Diego State technically isn't eliminated. They're going to win the Mountain West West. Uh, they already have. Um, and then they're going to play. You know, they barely lost to Wyoming. If they get a second shot at Wyoming, they you could very well win that game, and they'd be sitting there at, at uh, what eleven and two. That's not the worst thing in the world uh, if uh, Western Michigan loses, because after that, there's not a if, if after that, if Boise State's not an option, then uh, you know nobody else really stands out in that bunch. So they still have stuff to play for, I think, and they still got a really good defense. They just uh, you know you can't you can't stay close to Wyoming. Those Cowboys will uh, get you at the last minute, like they did. Um, but no, I mean, I, I'm curious about that. I'm curious what happens. Um, man, I mean, it, it's a fascinating race if Boise State's out of it, and and if Western Michigan loses, we're all just kind of waiting now. But um, I really enjoy this race I'm, I, because I have no idea. Uh, I didn't get to see. I was in Baton Rouge, but I didn't get to see a stitch of Colorado. Uh, America's team. I'm sorry, America's team beating Washington State. Um, they're at number fourteen at nine and two. Nine and nine two. two. I love the dream seasons. I mean, I I don't even know how to I I don't really if there's a theme of this recap show, it's that I don't want to talk about things in context of of last week's individual games. I just want to talk about nine and two. They can play defense when they have to. They can play offense when they have to. They have depth. They struggled for a couple weeks. Obviously, they put away Arizona by twenty five in the end, but you know they just still they weren't impressive for a while at least. They weren't. uh, They were very. Everything was unimpressive about that damn UCLA game. Um, but they won those games. They got past Stanford in that 10-5 to game, and this was them looking really good again. It had been a while since they really just looked really good. They were just kind of scraping by, uh, which is very impressive for kind of the Nouveau Reach team of the year here. But um, they looked – I mean, they Washington State's a solid team, a little, at least a little better than what my numbers say, um, and they handled them. They handled, by, handled them by more than what they were projected to handle them by. So, uh, again, good for them. This is a heck of a season, I hope. Um, now Utah gets to play spoiler – uh, because USC now is, is going to win if Colorado loses to Utah. But, um, yeah, it's going to be – those are two of the games that I'm most interested in. Uh, number 13, Oklahoma. Uh, the, uh, mia culpa, same with Okie State. Bedlam's going to be a game with two good teams. I don't think either team – I know I know that Oklahoma has math very much alive for a playoff, but I just don't – I personally don't view them as one of the four best teams in almost any possible permutation no. outside of chaos. However – However, uh, they came out into an awesome West Virginia environment, and um, they scientifically stomped their ass right out of the gate. 
Um, and that's not the Oklahoma that that's not the Oklahoma that uh, that we've seen. Especially yeah, and it was a combination. Their offense was clinical, which I mean, their offense has been clinical for yeah. most of the year. But their defense um, was at the same time. At the, at the beginning, yeah. And then West, West Virginia made a couple mistakes, allowed OU to get a, a big, big lead. And then OU, I mean, they, they, they kind of went into a shell a little bit. They rode the, the, uh, an obvious run game. Uh, they started giving up a ton of rushing yards, uh, playing very uh, conservative defense. The, the second and third quarters weren't very impressive. But when, Western, when West Virginia got back within a couple touchdowns, OU said, okay, fine, and went out and just uh, stole the game all over again. So, the, I mean, good for them. That was... They are better than Oklahoma State, or at least they have been so far. Uh, and this is another I – mean, this. well, they're number one in offensive S&P Plus. They, they have been uh, incredible without Sterling Shepard, uh, with uh, Samaj P. Ryan hurt for or, or hobbling for a, a good portion of the year. Uh, they've had the best offense in the country, and that's, um, I, you know, that's not what I expected. I didn't expect this good an offense. I also didn't expect this bad a defense, but here we are. Uh, number 12 is Penn State. Um, I, I don't I don't even know what to say. I'm, this is uh, again. I can't look at this. I can't look at this in terms of of Rutgers, but I I just think of the team that lost to Pittsburgh and uh, and some of the deficiencies that they had. Then um, they were everybody. It's almost like they were people wanted them to drop that extra game after they upset Ohio State. And I mean, you know, Michigan State is not going to just lay down. But this is uh, this is a team that did what it was supposed to after it really changed its entire identity in one game. Yeah, I think I've been as as impressed with what they've done since Ohio State as I was them beating Ohio State. Single game upsets happen. Um, and especially single game upsets with blocked kicks and all those things. So uh, this was clearly a good team uh, at that point. But the fact that they have since not really had a letdown, they did for a little while against Indiana, but even against a decent Indiana team, they then went out and, and put the game away and won by two touchdowns. I mean, Rutgers, whatever, beating Rutgers by 39 actually isn't very impressive. But, um, you know, they, they, you know, since beating Ohio State, they've won by what, 38, 27, 14 and 39. Um, you do feel like Michigan State has a spoiler uh, uh, effort in them. They might have wasted it last weekend, I guess, by uh, only almost beating Ohio State. But I, they, this Penn State team seems to have become trustworthy, and that's that's something that's we haven't scary. Necessarily scary said in a for, while. That's yeah. scary for the for the field, especially to see how the game plays out, um, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, number eleven, Florida State. They beat up on Syracuse. They're eight and three. They're in route to a. Uh, you know, a season that's disappointing in in kind of not a dumb perspective, just relative to where they've been. But um, to have a freshman quarterback and to go through some of the changes that they did, um, they're poised for the future. Don't know who that future will be with, which is sort of the thing I've been working on. Uh, not much to say here other than that they've acquitted themselves well after dropping games early. Yeah, DeAndre Francois has thrown for almost 3,000 yards and only has five interceptions despite getting sacked 32 times. And I'll be the first to tell you that sacks are often on the quarterback. Uh, really not in this case. He's just gotten very little help. Uh, and and yet, with a shaky pass protection, uh, Florida State ranks fifth in offensive S&P Plus right now. Uh, that, that's Even without Dal- Dalvin Cook moving forward, that says just volumes about Francois and, and where they could head, even if it's uh, against a, or even if it's with a new quarterback. Uh, co- coach, God, is, I can't speak today, Coach. Number 10 is Wisconsin. That is a team that you do expect to be – Clinical and steady, um, as, as much as Penn State surprises you when they do this down the stretch, Wisconsin is very much expected to do this, and um, they did it against Purdue, which is what they were supposed to do. Yep, they Purdue took an early lead. We're like, uh-oh, and, and yeah, that didn't last very long at all. Number nine is Auburn. 
That's interesting. I didn't realize that Auburn was this high. Uh, they, you know, set up Jeremy Johnson for kind of a nice long song moment there and, and beat up on Alabama A&M, and that was that. Um, number nine, that's interesting, Bill. I mean, th- that's where they've been. You know, they the Georgia game was the outlier here. Um, you know, well, the, the first half of Vanderbilt, I guess, maybe told us it was coming, but, you know, beating, yeah. winning at Ole Miss, crushing Arkansas, crushing Mississippi State, uh, beating LSU, which uh, did for, for a while there seemed impressive and now, again, seems less impressive, but... No, I mean, they've been a good team. They have a good defense. Their offense has started to struggle again um, because of, you know, the, the issues at, at quarterback and whatnot. But, no, they've been, they've been a really good team, and they're going to at least challenge Alabama even if Alabama's still going to win by 17. USC's the best team in the Pac-12. Um, yes. They are everything that you would think a, a highly hyped USC team would be. They're talented. They're explosive. They have depth. They are so far beyond what all the problems that came with sanctions. And the only issue is this. They, they lost three times this season. It seems unfathomable right now. Yeah. Um, of all the teams that we can talk about in terms of growth and evolution, maybe this is going to be an off-season thing between me and you where we talk about which team had the largest identity change from Labor Day until now. I mean, you look at, you look at Penn State. You look at Ole Miss. I don't know if if any team has changed as much as USC has. Yeah, and I mean it it's easy enough to explain. The defense slowly got better. It took them about a month to really grasp Clancy Pendergast, but starting with the Arizona State game, they've been uh mostly awesome on defense and then the offense changed the moment uh, they made a quarterback change. You, you like those because they're easy to explain. You don't have to think, you know, is this, is this growth sustainable? Why did it happen? It's very obvious why it happened. They put Sam Darnold at quarterback. Sam Darnold now has – Sam Darnold was now showing up at, like, Bruce Feldman's Heisman top five despite not starting the first three games of the year. Um, you know, he's averaging over eight yards per pass. They can run the ball now, not as well as they throw it, but they can run it now. Um, it all just kind of fell into place when when Darnold took over, and that's a very you, you mean a happy. you mean a USC player starting starting to show up in a bunch of people's nationals. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I love Bruce. That he's not a top five. I love Bruce. Guy, um, I love Bruce. Bruce. Uh, number seven is LSU. Um, so, whew, I uh, I was at this game. Um, the best uh, the best. Stat math, um, S&P Plus that Godfrey can give you is that I was sitting in the press box um, as the right as the third quarter was ending. Um, I took one, the, the one touchdown pass away that, was, that came not really on a botch coverage, but essentially just a single coverage that Florida scored a 98-yard touchdown pass. And yeah. when you took that away, the Gators were averaging just under 2.8 yards a play. Yeah. They won the game. Yeah. They, I mean, when you get inside the 20 – and you don't score LSU. This is this game is a clinical. This game. If we wrote a textbook on box score bingo, Bill, this is what I was sitting. I was thinking about the entire game before I went down on the field. This would be like chapter one or two on on basic concepts of of drive efficiency and success rate. Yeah, LSU and Florida had um, each had five. Scoring opportunities, first downs inside the 40. And uh, LSU managed 10 points with those five opportunities. And you just can't. Uh, you know, okay, so, I mean, Florida's overall game efficiency was maybe a little higher than I would have expected against LSU. But you just can't. I mean, LSU's defensive ever was one play. They, they, had, they had a bad one play. And otherwise, they held Florida to everything they needed to hold Florida to. LSU's offense just needed to turn uh, opportunities into a few points. And they didn't. 
and they lost. And that's been most of the games they've lost over the last two years have been for exactly that reason. And um, there's a lot more I want to get into because I was there. I've been working on a, multiple features as well as the news angle that's going on with LSU. So uh, we'll, we'll nip that for now and try and stay on pace. Um, Washington uh, rebounded very nicely, um, albeit without the kind of attention or marquee opponent that they would probably need for political reasons in the playoff. But, um, you know, they did what they were supposed to, 44-18 to over Arizona State. Uh, offense is good. Defense is good. This is one of those where I just kind of check the box score occasionally. The problem is I think a lot of people just did that. And I, I'll be really curious um, if you want to go ahead and talk about it in context, Bill, or do you just want to – I mean – they're they're sitting under Louisville right now in your S and P. Louisville comes in at number five, having just been absolutely annihilated by Houston on Thursday night. Um, is Washington the clear five from the playoff? God, I would hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll see. Well, first of all, I mean Louisville wasn't number four or five in the playoff rankings last week. So I mean, yeah, they're 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 in the runner up spot right now, and they're just waiting. The only reason to explain real quickly number five, six, and seven in my rankings: Louisville, Washington, LSU. That looks a little weird after this last uh, week's results. The two things I will point out is number five, Louisville, was number four last week, and they were a healthy number four. Uh, and so they fell. You just couldn't really see it because they only fell from fourth to fifth because there was a pretty big gap to sixth. So that, right. That's why they're there. Uh, the other part is that LSU, they were sixth last week. Uh, and you see, if you look at the, the rankings uh, at Football Outsiders, they're still two and a half points ahead of USC. That tells you how far ahead of USC they were before Saturday. They lost ground as well. It's just they had distanced themselves from everybody else enough that they did, that it didn't really show up there so they both got punished and Washington moved up a little bit but um yeah they just kind of by this point in the season it's hard to make huge moves you have to do what Houston did uh you have to do what Oklahoma State did if you really want to move significantly at this point so Louisville uh obviously out of national title contention um an identity closer to the um to the pessimist view of of Louisville, of what a team is, um, when at times it is it is strictly only its best player and possibly the best player. Um, yep. <clears throat> this is how we have to look at Louisville. Um, and I, it's a, a shame because their their defense is still really really good. Um, they're they're up to ninth in defensive S and P plus right now. They're in the top ten in both offense and defense. They've been. Uh, really well-rounded, but what we've seen at times is that the rest of Jackson's offense lets him down and he has to do too much, and that's what we saw. I mean, Houston Houston was, you know, they were able to employ tempo. They still only averaged four and a half yards per play, though. Um, they were efficient, but Louisville gave up very few big plays. Uh, that trick play touchdown to uh, from Linnell Bonner aside, um, but they just had no, they had nothing to offer offensively against Houston. Houston knew every button to push. Uh, they got pressure on Lamar Jackson constantly, uh, like to the tune of 11 sacks. Uh, and you know, Louisville's run game is usually pretty good, but they were able to shut down Radcliffe and Smith completely to, which meant that Jackson had to literally do everything. Uh, and he could only do a lot. And it's, know, it's a, it was amazing to see how well, how well contained he was, as well as the amount of pressure that they got on passing downs. Um, and then, and then in turn, established pressure, established pressure up front, created coverage downfield, and then boxed him in. It yeah. reminded me. I mean, I hate to make these comparisons all the time, but this was the blueprint that was initially laid out when Mike Vick was changing the NFL, right? Changing the NFL forever for about like a year and a half, and then cover two and the kind of pincer attack that Tampa would run became the blueprint on stopping a mo- mo- uh, stopping is the wrong word fencing in and shutting down i think that's what right. they did so well um there's probably some credit to be given to to Houston in that they they see 
they see this a lot. They employ a lot of the same tactics. Greg Ward is not Lamar Jackson, um, but it was just it, it was an incredibly impressive uh, defensive effort. If if and not I, also capitalizing on turnovers, capitalizing on three and outs. Tom Herman was already obviously a um, a very a, a well groomed uh, assistant coach before he ended up with Urban Meyer. But he seems to have like the one thing he he kind of mastered with Meyer seems to be that playing as an underdog thing now the, I mean the, the better you do the less you play as an underdog but every time Houston gets a chance to play as an underdog they just they rain fire from the sky you know they uh crushed Louisville they beat Oklahoma they whooped Florida State last year and that makes it and I don't from a number standpoint I kind of hate that because I you know the numbers have to look at you like you play every game on average Houston doesn't play average and they really uh the, their ability to play above their heads against the power teams well, I mean, among other things, it pisses me off that they don't, they're not heading to the Big 12 right now, but that's a completely other story. So, number one, Alabama is as much a certainty as a given as, as, as can be, and in playing Chattanooga, we just leave you at number one and move on. Um, the story here, obviously, is Michigan, Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, you have Michigan 2, Ohio State 3. Uh, Ohio State, it, it, it's amazing how they keep advancing this new identity of yeah. – of, flashes of a team that could beat Alabama at times yeah. and then this malaise at the yeah. same time and, and so when i say when i say a new identity it's just this are they really it's not that they're playing to the level of their opponent because they have they have stepped up and and just beaten the crap out of a couple inferior opponents at the same time but it's just this it's like a randomizer it's like a, a computer script and you just don't know it's it, it, it's fascinating to watch. The only thing you, the only thing you know, is that Ohio State is probably going to win, even when they look terrible. Penn State, obviously, notwithstanding. But I don't know what this does. This is is such a problem for the it playoff. It still took committee. blocked kicks. It's, it still took blocked kicks for them to lose to Penn State. They yeah. otherwise still would have won that game. Yeah, they've been. Well, I mean, maybe this is just as easily explained as they're super young because you look at um, on those stat profiles that I do at football study hall, their uh, percentile performances per, per, per game so far this year, 90, 99, 97, 88, 85 out of the, uh, out of the blocks. Like the first four or five weeks of the year, they were the best team in the country uh, at Wisconsin, 48 at Penn state, 52 Northwestern, 25. They completely lost the plot. They uh, were kind of, they were unlucky to lose once. They were also kind of lucky not to lose three times. Um, but then Nebraska, 94, Maryland, 90, Michigan State, 16. <laughs> like that one, I felt like I kind of understood where they were coming from at this point and that they were kind of, quote unquote, back in a groove. But man, something about, something about D'Antonio teams get into the heads of, of uh, the Buckeyes and, and they were almost able to, to basically pull off uh, a script very, very, very similar to what they had last year. And so with all of that in mind, I still like them to beat Michigan. I think, that, yeah, they, I think they're, in terms of trust, I trust them to play a, at an A level next week more, more than, uh, because of Michigan's offense at the moment, I trust them more than I trust Michigan, I think. Michigan obviously uh, wins 20-10 to 10 against Indiana. They don't have uh, Wilson Speed. They they trail at halftime, and they just Michigan it out. Um, yeah, they they were able to rely on they, they they use physicality in a way that is more consistent than most teams. And so, yeah. when you're playing a team like Indiana, you can and you don't make mistakes, you can probably rely on that to pull your ass out of a fire. So, yeah. So that being said, that is not the stakes for that's it's the opposite situation when you head into to Columbus. Pretty good time. Uh, one thing I'll say, that's right. Well, like I said, I extended it. 
Um, the one thing I'll say about Michigan is that here, here are the, I just listed Ohio State's overall percentile performances. Here's Michigan's offensive percentile and performance by week. See if you can spot where the troubles start. Uh, 93, 94, 83, 94, 69, 94, 82, 81, 96, 21, 19. Uh, mm. Last two last two weeks, they have been a, a, an abysmal offensive team, and um, you know whatever the issues were against I- Iowa, then you you come out with a new quarterback against Indiana, you struggle uh, in a very similar fashion, like four and a half yards per play. Indiana's defense has improved, but it hasn't improved by that much. Uh, they had a success rate by quarter against Indiana, thirty nine percent, which is pretty mediocre in the first quarter, eight percent in the second, forty one in the third, seventeen in the fourth. Their offense did no, almost nothing in this game. Um, and I, yeah, I just, I trust, I, at this point, it's all about trust and I trust Ohio state, uh, a lot more, I think. Yeah, I do too. Uh, we'll talk more about that this week. Uh, Bill, we're going to get out of here. We're going to see you guys Wednesday. Hey, by the way, uh, one comment about Alabama, I'm pretty sure that for these FCS games, they go out of their way to create a game plan that will help their opponent out as much as humanly possible just to see their team struggle. So Saban can get pissy about it. And so they turn around against Auburn. Like they, yeah, anyway, they were... Uh, well, I can add to that real quick. I mean, I know for a fact that they create stakes for, for players that are uh, not not naturally ones, and, and so you're going to see a little bit more rotation, a little bit more playing time if you haven't won the competitions in practice. Um, they're doing what you're supposed to be doing, which is letting, which is giving your depth some time and some exposure and some live game drills, but yeah. no, you're, well, I think stuff. your theory is dead on. Their starters were getting pushed around a little bit at times. They got stuffed on a on like a third and goal from the one. They got d- destroyed on a third and goal from the one in the second quarter. I do um, think that is circumstantial, speci- uh, purposefully circumstantial. Let's say. Yeah, I think it's a good theory. All right, guys. Uh, yeah, I, I think it works. See you. Well, what, what we're we doing this Wednesday? I guess probably Wednesday. We'll get you uh, in before Thanksgiving. If you got a Thanksgiving drive, we'll uh, we'll have you taken care of. Yeah, I good promise. call. We, we might go three hours. Just kidding. Yeah, definitely. Just kidding.